1957, a family of immigrants escaped communist Yugoslavia. He, with his parents, crossed the Adriatic Sea under cover of darkness, by boat, in high winds and dangerous swells. By daybreak, the coast of Italy was visible. They claimed political refugee status and waited. Seventeen months and three refugee camps later, they arrived in the USA. A wedding followed. A son was born. The firstborn in America. I am the son of immigrants. Welcome to The Immigrant Son. I'm your host, Dennis Badarina. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. In tonight's program, I'd like to touch on the whole critical race thing and the woke uh, cancel culture movement that has gripped young folk coming out of college today. To be sure, academia is pushing this stuff, and young minds are still very impressionable, but it's doubly dangerous for these kids because they don't have the benefit of wisdom that comes with age and also the wisdom that comes with what we used to call the school of hard knocks. Colleges and academia aren't teaching kids how to think anymore. They're teaching them what to think. And that is very dangerous for any society. Now, this has been perfectly revealed by a woman named Z. Van Fleet, She's a Virginia mom who endured Mao's cultural revolution before immigrating to the United States. She spoke out recently, saying that the National School Board Association and the Justice Department are using tactics similar to the ones she saw in communist China that were used to stop parents from speaking out there. Now, here's her quote. When I was in China, I spent my entire school years in the Chinese Cultural Revolution, so I'm very, very familiar with the communist tactics of how to divide people, how they canceled the Chinese traditional culture and destroyed our heritage. All this is happening here in America. They call parents here for a long time racist, but that didn't work, so the government starts calling them domestic terrorists. She goes on to say, this will backfire. Because if intimidation works, then America has fallen a long time ago. Right there, from an immigrant who came here to get away from those tactics of communist China to brainwash their people, this lady is saying this will backfire because if intimidation works here, then America has fallen a long time ago. Now, Van Fleet made headlines in June when she addressed the Loudoun County School Board, Loudoun County, Virginia, over her concerns about critical race theory. And she has also joined parents in neighboring Fairfax County who are denouncing the DOJ's efforts by Merrick Garland to label parents who disagree with the school board as domestic terrorists. Van Fleet asks, what is the next step? Is it the Tiananmen Square crackdown next, or the parents who one day risk their lives just to speak out for the children? That's why I'm here. So there again, words from a Chinese immigrant about what she saw in China, 
which was the driving factor that spurred her immigration to the United States. And after thinking she found a safe haven here, she's seeing it all over again. Now, on an aside, real quick, we are darn lucky that Merrick Garland was squashed for a seat on the Supreme Court back in 2016. His true colors are showing now, and his actions at the DOJ are showing that he really was not a good choice to put forward uh, to be seated on the Supreme Court. And anyone who is at the sleep at the wheel can see that we dodged the serious bullet by making sure he didn't get seated. He is a Washington insider, a political hack, a political operative, and you know we see that now that he's heading up the DOJ. All right, I want to speak more directly now on the whole critical race thing and cancel culture that's uh, permeating society as we see it now. A lot of people want to convince you that you need, uh, you know, a fancy degree from college or a law degree or weeks of free time to read all the text about critical race theory and to understand the woke slash cancel culture and movement, uh, you know, and its worldview. But you don't. You only need to believe your ears and your eyes. I'm going to offer a really brief view of the core beliefs of, you know, what I'm going to call the woke revolution. And it's abundantly clear to anyone willing to look past the social media hashtags and the slogans and the jargons. It begins by stipulating that the forces of justice and progress are basically locked in a war against backwardness and tyranny, okay? And as soon as you use tyranny, everybody gets their hackles up. And in a war, the normal rules of the game have to be suspended. And the woke ideology argues that the rules are not just obstacles to justice, but that rules, laws that we have in place, are tools of oppression. They are the master's tools, and the master's tools can't dismantle the master's house. That's how they look at it. So the tools themselves aren't just what's being replaced, but they're being repudiated. And in repudiating what we have as a societal structure currently, the persuasion, the purpose of argument is replacing that with public shaming. Moral complexity is replaced with moral certainty. Facts are replaced with feelings, and that's exactly what we are witnessing today. The young kids, and I keep on saying young kids because that's how I see it, you know, that are coming out of colleges today or getting out into the world today, just getting on their feet, just getting started, they are driven by emotion and Every young person, myself included, when we were in our 20s, we literally worked more on emotion than we did on critical thought and the school of hard knocks and wisdom that comes with age. You know, my parents before me, they were ruled by emotion at an early age, their parents and those parents' parents, everybody when they're young, emotion is what you base your decisions on. And 
the cancel culture woke thing is just capitalizing and using our younger generation as they're coming out by trying to say, oh, yeah, that's great. That's fine. You know, you poor little thing, your emotions have to be justified and we have to, you know, play to your emotions because that's what's going to drive progress. And that's completely wrong. Emotional thinking does not lead to good decision making. And that was something that in last week's program that I mentioned, Alexander Hamilton, 248 years ago, said the exact same thing in Federalist Number 1. He said, I'm not going to go ahead and talk to you about what I feel and the emotions that drive my my heart in making decisions. I'm going to go ahead and speak to you in the Federalist Papers using my head, not my heart, because emotions are volatile. Emotions cause problems when you're thinking about the greater good of society as a whole, which was what they, the founders tried to do when they put together this country and drafted our Constitution. You know, thinking with your head is the way to go. And he gave us this warning over 248 years ago. Again, you know, the lady uh, Z. Van Fleet, she just gave the warning of that's what she saw in China. The government using people's emotion and making sure that people didn't think clearly with their heads. So, you know, you have to go ahead and take what you're seeing in today's society and understand that these kids are making decisions based on emotion. And we, as adults that have been through life and have life experiences, it's up to us to shed a little bit of light on that and shed a little bit of light on their on their method of thinking to show them that it's not a good thing to be um, to be controlled by your emotions. You have to go ahead and use your head. You have to take a step back. You have to really think through all of the different things that can happen with your decision making. Now, you know, to go on with the whole woke, critical theory, cancel culture, you know, ideas are replaced with identity, and we see that happening all the time. Forgiveness is replaced with punishment. Debate is replaced with deplatforming off of social media. Diversity is replaced with, um, with homogeneous thought, and inclusion is replaced with exclusion. And that's what's happening today. There's a young lady that I know, around 11 years old, very nice young girl. And she's going through this same thing with social media, which is really helping when those hormones kick in and her body's developing and, you know, she's unsure of herself. She's unsure of how to proceed in the world you know, in her own mind. And she's having difficulty dealing with things that when I was young and going through my teen years weren't as hard. And, you know, 
to be honest with you, I place a lot of that blame on social media. It amplifies all the bad things about growing up, all the things that were hard to deal with, you know, just out of the box without social media are now amplified and they're so, so hard for kids nowadays to deal with. So, you know, you put that as a backdrop and then these kids are going through high school. They're still unsure of themselves. They're still confused. They're getting at the colleges and now they are unbelievably impressionable. And the uh, the professors in academia are taking advantage of this and they're pushing all these different critical race, the, the, the cancel culture, the woke uh, the, the woke methodology of thinking, I'm going to call it that because I really don't know how else to describe it. And that is really, really hurting young people coming into the world today. And it's just going to make it so much more difficult when the School of Hard Knocks teaches them very, very valuable lessons that, um, that you don't get in a school setting, and these kids are going to be dealing with a lot of serious, serious depression. All right, I'm going to take a moment here and just, you know, thank you very much for tuning in, you know, midway here through the program. Uh, you know, if you'd like to go ahead and help out and donate a couple of pennies here and there to help me out, do me a favor throw a couple of shekels to to someone who needs it there's a lot of folks who need help out there um you know throw a little bit of coin toward a uh through a to a no-kill pet shelter you know um, donate some money to a soup kitchen help your fellow man help a neighbor help a puppy you know do something nice i don't want money for what i do i just want people to really put their money where their mouth is. And if they care about people, you know, go without that pack of cigarettes that one day and go ahead and throw five bucks, you know, toward a homeless shelter, you know, um, skip buying your, that one six pack that you've really been, you know, wanting to try because somebody said, Hey, this is a really great beer. Skip it and donate that money to a no kill pet shelter. Do something nice. Now, in the coming weeks, I'm going to, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to have on the program someone who is an immigrant from the African continent. A good friend of mine, a photographer, Oleg Volk, has a friend who he knows very well. She came to America, and I and we're going to get the particulars when, if she agrees to come on for an interview. But the way he went ahead and described her journey here, she came to the United States after about five years old, uh, going through, at five years old in Africa, there was a lot of tribalism, and it's still prevalent there today. And she came here as a young adult, I believe. And she's amazed how here in the United States, nobody cares what tribe you're from. You know, she, uh, 
according to, to the story that he related when she was speaking to him back in where she grew up, I think it was uh, in the Congo, their tribal rivalries were very, very prevalent. So, you know, within 10, 15 miles from where your tribe is, there's another tribe that doesn't like you and doesn't like the way you think. And it's common for tribal rivalries to, you know, send men in, kill the ones they don't like, take the women. A lot of rape happened, you know, slavery. They enslave other tribes. And she was amazed, you know, here in America, nobody looks at the color of my skin, you know, or the shape of my nose or my facial features to kind of pinpoint what tribe I'm from. And they're not trying to kill me just because I happen to be in a tribe 10 miles away that they don't like. You know, so I'm hoping to get this lady on the program. I really, really would love to speak to her to get her perspective on life here in the United States as a black who isn't looking over her shoulder anymore to to see if there's anybody attacking her tribe that morning uh, who may be coming in, killing, and then taking her and other kids away and enslave them or do whatever with them. You know, I think that would really fit this program to get the words right from someone here who's like, you know, America is like like paradise compared to other places in the world. And so many times we're hearing politicians and we're hearing academia saying that America is racist and America is is bad and America has too many faults and we have to make it better and people are trying to come here because they see America as better and they see all the the talk of how bad it is and they're looking around going I don't know what America you're looking at but the one that I'm looking at it ain't all that bad and it's a lot better than where I came from so as I said, I'm hoping to get her on the program uh, for an interview. I think it would be really, really interesting. And with that, it's been a little bit sparse, uh, tonight's program. I touched on everything I wanted to touch on. So I just would like to leave you with thank you again for listening. Uh, tonight's program is a little bit shorter than I'd like. I'm hoping to get some more material next week. Like I said, I hope to get an interview next week or maybe the week after. And uh, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You have a wonderful, wonderful week, and God bless. 